Greetings, comrades and compatriots. I'm sorry not sorry for people who invested in Parlor. The fact is, it was never supposed to be a successful business. It was operated with the purpose of ideological capture and political manipulation. More of a think tank than a business venture, really, from its thesis to its application and growth strategy. It was a matter of time before Parlor was deplatformed, and I'll tell you why and why I saw this coming a mile away. The moment one of my conservative friends told me about the app many, many moons ago. The dead giveaway is the Mercer money behind it. If you don't know what Mercer money is, here's the gist of it. We've talked about Cambridge Analytica, AKA SCL Group, AKA Military Grade Psychological Weapons. Well, Mercer money is what funded Cambridge Analytica and Steve Bannon's culture war and the mass manipulation and propagandization and radicalization of people in the United States. We know they invested in Cambridge Analytica because they thought it would make them more money and being able to predict or manipulate or influence the political happenings in the United States can be very profitable. Not to mention the data operation behind Cambridge Analytica that siphoned unimaginable amounts of personal data without people's consent, which is also pretty profitable. Now, they said they deleted all that data, but no one really proved it and no one's really gonna ask too many questions. What is the next big tech investment that gets Mercer money after the disbanding of Cambridge Analytica and the congressional investigations? It's Parler. Well, Cambridge Analytica was used to advance a radical conservative agenda and political movement. Parler has a pretty similar purpose. Now, aside from the Mercer money being behind it, you can also look at its thesis and application. Basing the platform on free speech and refusing to moderate its users were taken to mean the same thing to Parler. They actually are not. You are always free to say what you want and there are plenty of places to say it. And while you are always free to do as you please, you will bear the responsibility of your words and actions. You can't verbally assault your Starbucks barista or you'll be kicked out. You can't grab the intercom at your local department store and start singing over it, you'll be kicked out. Moderating our communities isn't new. If you want to take part in organizing an insurrection on a public platform, don't be surprised when the FBI shows up. By offering its app, on services like Apple and Google and building it on things like Amazon services, it agreed to moderate its community. But then it turned around and told its users that it would not. It was only a matter of time. I might say that Parler thought it was creating some landmark innovation by refusing to moderate its community. As if no platform ever had tried to cut corners with moderating its community. It costs time and money to moderate a community. Nobody wants that, but they acted like they were the first people to ever think of this. And as you're probably starting to realize though, having a successful business model wasn't really the goal here. Free speech has been the ideological rallying cry of conservative think tanks and media for many years now. Parlor is just an iteration of that in the tech sphere. This is even more evident in its growth strategy. This one is the nail in the coffin. How did Parler acquire its users? Parler took advantage of the political news cycle and the constant scandals of other big tech platforms like Facebook and their efforts to moderate their community and opportunistically siphoned people off onto their platform. They would capitalize on these scandals by saying, oh, are you put off or confused about Facebook's new community moderation guidelines? Join Parler, where you don't have to deal with that. Except what they didn't want to tell you is that you would have to deal with it on the back end of them taking your phone number, your ID, your personal information, storing it in a publicly accessible, essentially publicly accessible database, which then gets handed over to the FBI to prosecute you for crimes against the government. Now, how much of conservative outrage about being censored for their free speech was drummed up by conservative think tanks? 
It begs the question, considering people on the left have been censored on these social media platforms for a long time now. If you've been around Leftbook any time in the last eight years, you know friends who have been kicked off of the platform, zucked, put in Facebook jail, post blocked, forbidden from creating pages, liking pages, or joining any more groups. Or God forbid you type the four words, white men are trash, and now you can't post on Facebook for 30 days. And why promote the idea that it's only conservatives that are facing any type of moderation on these platforms? Well, it does serve the purpose of driving more people to your conservative think tank social media platform. Just saying. Many social platforms have seen their demise by failing to abide by the terms of service that they agree to when they build their platforms on top of other tech. One of the most notable is Sue, TSU, the social media company that endeavored to share advertising revenue with its users in a sort of pyramid-like schema, but that violated Facebook's terms of service and its marketing method and was booted off the platform, effectively forever stunting their potential for growth. For a platform that relied on rapid growth and network effects, it was a death knell. So Parler isn't the first business to do itself in in this way, and it won't be the last. It was just the most politically charged, had an entire conservative think tank media behind it, and more people were paying attention. What was unique about Parler is that it was the conservative think tank sphere making inroads by using a tech platform to continue and expand its ideological capture. And for a while it worked. 